Hello everybody and welcome to the That's A Wrap podcast. I'm your host Joe Downey. And I'm your co-host Matthew Parkinson, formerly known as Matty P. The artist formerly known as Matty P. And today is a special day because we have a guest host. <laughs> guest host, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Joel Lomax. Uh, apparently I do film stuff uh, and, uh, and I've been watching films so now they're finally like, Hi, come talk to us about these films. Joe Lomax. Um, For viewers in the south, that's pronounced Joe yeah. Lomax. <laughs> For viewers in the north, it's Joe Lomax. Joe Lomax. Oh, oh dear. Joel this has Lomax. been such a cursed episode because when we were originally going to start recording oh, this about episode? a week ago, I think. Or... Yeah, it's been pushed back. This is the crow of podcast episodes. <laughs> well, if it was the crow of podcast episodes, we wouldn't have made it. <laughs> There's still time. Oh dear. If we end the call now. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the crow oh, has dear. been like cursed since like after the sh- the shoot as well because they've tried to remake it a bunch oh, yeah. of times and it's always Just always fell through. Not happened. But yeah, as so for listeners, we we have ourselves on Discord so that we can see each other and feed off each other's reactions. However. Lomax at the moment is just the buffering bar for me, and I can't see him. And it's like I'm talking to a, like a secret. Hey man, don't call agent. me that. I'm very self-conscious about my appearance. Don't call me a buffering bar. And yes, you, just you, for a, a long-term bar. wider context, we're recording this <laughs> podcast during the coronavirus pandemic. So yes, we're all in the date different. Today is May 9th, If you're you know going through your files of film podcasts, if you Spotify. if you find this in a yes. random derelict building in the post-apocalyptic future. <laughs> And you want something to entertain yourself, come listen to three 20-year-olds chat about films like we know what we're talking about. If you stole this from a hobo's iPod, then... (laughs) (laughs) iPod touch. It's just just Matt, but he's still well-dressed, but with a really long, (laughs) scraggly beard. And he's like, no, get off that! Listen to my podcast. (laughs) I'm listening to the same podcast on repeat. (laughs) Hopefully, by the time... You're, you've heard this uh, episode, you've heard all the other previous episodes because they have will have been edited and uploaded by now. I mean, wow. you so, don't have to watch them chronologically, though. Uh, you this can is watch true, them in any just order to get, like. the, mm. get the history of it, you know, from when we were on the, the <laughs> physical, sp- in the physical space of Nerd Studios. Nerd? Nerd Studios? Nerve Studios. Nerd Studios is my, uh, is my side brand. Uh. Oh, of course. That's the main reason we got you here. It just sounds like we're the... dissing Nerve Studios. Nerd. <laughs> More like Nerd Studios. <laughs> Up top. Chad. Um, before we start chatting about some films, yes. um, should we... So, Lomax probably has been on lockdown the longest out of us three. Um, and I just wanted to ask, what have you been up to outside of film uh, during this whole time? What have you been watching, reading, playing? What have you been, what have you been up to? Uh, so... I I got well. I've only been on an extra. I want to say two, maybe three weeks of lockdown. So it's not too crazy. Um, okay. I've been filming a bunch of like little lockdown vlogs because I was sharing them with international students at the halls nice. I was staying in, um, trying to encourage them to kind of share their voice on things because obviously they can't go back to their native countries. And then ended up making mm-hmm. some stuff. I've been reading a lot. I've been reading a book called everything is figure outable and basically what it is is just um teaching your mindset to let go of perfectionism and being like hey progress not perfection and i think like i needed to read that (laughs) especially right now because there's a lot of pressure on people to try and produce some nice gems under all this pressure and it's like (laughs) shakespeare wrote king lear during the plague (laughs) 
But um, I hate that at the moment. But yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, and then aside from that, I've uh, as well. I've been trying to watch a lot more new release stuff that's been coming out on like BFI Player and Movie because I get them for free and like the existential dread of oh I'll give it two more months and I won't have access to this anymore. I was like oh I better True. step up my yeah, game. That's a good but point. I, I, uh, I've been doing a... the same with Canopy because oh, that's nice. going to run yeah. out soon. I just well, I just finished I, watching a series I have called a trick uh, for Canopy. Black Sea uh, called Black Sails on Amazon Prime. Sorry, Joe, I cut you off. <laughs> oh, it's okay. I, I was just I I'm, I was just saying I may have a trick for making canopy last longer but let's talk about that off off camera um, <laughs> don't mention it don't mention it on camera and then be like, let's talk about it off camera dirty, it's dirty the crimes. fbi yeah, yeah. now i'm knocking at my door i'm thinking about that scene in transformers where he's like cops cops and he like leaps into the pool i can't wait to sort the peaking on that um <laughs> what um so what yeah you're saying you watch black cells and any other tv shows real quick that you've gone through oh yeah yeah during my first week i like caught up on uh i think what was it uh sabrina the the teenage witch explained like the, nice. the netflix sabrina because a bunch of my friends were like hey you you know catch up and i was like fuck off uh i'm busy <laughs> and then i was like oh i'm not nice. busy now uh and then uh yeah and then explained on netflix and then just a ton of films nice any any video games yes i played a ton of video games at the moment i try and save it for the evening though is like my reward so like right uh i'm trying to play a lot of story games as well because being in lockdown weirdly has left my mind open to so many ideas so right, i've got like right. an overflowing ideas book at the moment but not the i haven't really committed to writing anything yet uh nice. but a good uh, well, an interesting perspective right now is this like, did you know BAFTA do, um, they do career tests for you? No, I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah. I know about the BAFTA Albert situation. When are we getting our Albert qualification? Do you know, Joe? <laughs> uh, our tutor who organized it sent out a notification saying that we've put it, it's, it's been sent off, but given the situation, we'll probably be waiting for a while. It might be a while, But it's yeah. there. The BAFTA have a thing called Guru, which is essentially just like any other online um, kind of creative platform where, like, like no film school and stuff like that, um, oh. where there's a ton of talks, but it's not just around, this, um, around film. There's TV as well as video games, but they have a thing on Guru, which is like a test. But rather it being like a multiple choice thing, it's very... Uh, um, what's the word? It's it's very visual and creative, and it's got a lot of scrollers. So instead of like you pick out of an option of what you agree and disagree with, it's like, hey, in this long line of a social situation, where do you place yourself? Are you the person in the kitchen eating all the snacks, or are you with all the crowds, or are you outside, like not talking to anyone? And you like select those options, and it's still, excuse me, it's still like a little bit vague, but it was really interesting because I did that, and it said that I should be a games designer, and then the other two, <laughs> the other two were. Um, directing and then producing for tv and film um, and then it gives you a bunch of like links to different sources as well as like a little video breakdown of what that job role entails and are you happy with so, those results yeah sort of i mean like over the last couple of months i've been like thinking about um a again like i think i had like a really i had a really nice idea that i fell in love with for a short film or even maybe something a bit longer and i was like oh actually that would be cool and then i found myself like thinking about scenes and either playing them out in my head or thinking about how I would describe it to somebody to to play out, if you see what I mean. So I guess mm -hmm. I was like imagining directing somebody doing it. So I was like, huh, maybe I've always kind of shied away from it because there's, there's enough people out there and there's enough competition out there and I, I don't want to have to deal with the, uh, the already uh, 
perfectionist kind of mindset that a lot of us place on ourselves out of university and outside of film school where it's like we need to be good otherwise we're shit (laughs) there's like no in between um what was the had what's the link for any listeners that want to try this out oh um if you just if you just google bafta guru it should come up and you don't have to make an account it's just a link to a ton of stuff on there um you can sign up for the newsletter but uh yeah they've got a ton of stuff going on i think i had since playing video games, I've kind of reawakened my interest in the industry rather than video games itself because, right. um, you know, if you're a production manager in film and TV, um, and even if you're a writer or director, a lot of the um, a lot of the skills are still transferable between the two, and the video games industry outweighs oh, and overshadows yeah. most of the entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just a lot of video games are story based at the moment. Yeah, there's uh, a lot of stories on the writing. Games. Yeah, there's some fun yeah. stuff out there, especially like if you're. So recently I played the, the campaign for Titanfall 2, which is a really cool sci-fi kind of uh, shooter game. And it was actually like, it was a short campaign, but it was actually really, really fun. And uh, it was one of my favorite things that I've played in a while in terms of story stuff, because um, it's a fun little sci-fi jaunt. But uh, yeah, I got interested in the industry because there's a lot of similarities and there's a lot of issues that are affecting video games a lot harder than affecting the film industry. like. A lot of high res, a lot of the AAA titles, for example, a lot of their high res uh, CGI gets done with art houses in China because they don't have their equivalent of um, games directors and stuff like that to take over their industry. So what happens is is that they take on the outsources from a lot of Western uh, game companies. And the same happens with a lot of like kind of big blaster uh, films. So a lot of the image assets that were made for like Avengers Endgame, for example, were probably done in some Chinese CGI warehouse in someone's basement um, because they've got the resources to do it and it's cheaper. Um, But now obviously, because they were hit first with the whole situation going on, they've got this this weird thing now where a bunch of video games, as well as obviously like a bunch of films have been put on hold and they're trying to make it sound like it's the situation, but a lot of video games have been put on hold now just entirely because they can't get those assets back. And those assets are key to like major cutscenes in a game which shows off like this new interesting game engine or this new mechanic which they've made as a USP for that game. Uh, and I just found it fascinating to kind of like listen to that. Um, there's a really cool podcast out there that's done by some, uh, uh, some industry people that have been doing it for a while. It's called Play, Watch, Listen. And it's actually really, really interesting because nice. not only do they go in on video games, but they also go in on films. Um, tying it back to what we're talking about today which is why they have a whole like <laughs> hour and a half podcast talking about why video games will never work as films is that, is that the episode title for it or? Uh, no I don't think so I can't remember um, okay. they, they go well, into it a lot I think they said the only exception that kind of worked was actually Sonic um, because it has a lot of wider <laughs> media that already exists but like they were talking about why like Halo would never work as a, as a game why Assassin's Creed didn't work at, sorry not, not right. work as a game not work as a film why the Assassin's yeah. Creed game didn't work as a film and all these other franchises that probably wouldn't work. Um, I think the main, the main ones I'm looking forward to at the moment is there is a, a Craig Mazin Last of Us series coming out mm. and there is a Borderlands film coming out, coming out with Kate Blanchett. Mm. Um, they'd be, they'd be interesting because again, yeah. like the whole the, the the main argument of why it's hard to turn video games into a movie is um a thing i th- i can't remember what it's called um 
I think it's called like player narrative dissonance or something like that. And what it basically means is because you are engaging, you are immersing yourself with that story, your actions, you get that feeling from it when you have your controller in hand, right? So like, for example, although Last of Us is an RPG where you're kind of just along the ride and you control Joel and it can work as a TV series when you have that longer format, there's still going to be a problem because you lose that connection that people build up so much because they don't have the controller in hand. They're not in control anymore their actions don't have those consequences. Instead, they're just kind of someone sat on the sidelines, which is why some of these games don't work as... Like Assassin's Creed, for example, all of your choices you do in that game are your own. You have accountability for it. As soon as you watch somebody else do that and you don't have that control, you have that disconnection, and therefore you're like, oh, this, is, this isn't what I would do. This is not how I would do it in the game. Oh, I don't like this. And there's this weird... There's this kind of weird discourse that is created from it, and I think that was that's kind of the main argument of why a lot of video games can't work on a... Um, on a uh, kind of like television or film structure mm. format. There mm. we go. Words. Right. So, so <laughs> lockdown has made you fully delve into the video game industry at the moment. A little bit, you say. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of it, R- it's real, full real quick before. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Yeah, real quick. Um, just to round up, and then we'll we'll go into some films. Uh, Matt, what have you been up to outside of films and painting? Uh, well, I've mainly been focusing on my grad project recently. Yeah, <laughs> It's one of those things that's got to the point where if I'm not doing it, I do feel a bit guilty about not doing it. So like, over the last two weeks, I've been doing quite a lot of animating for it. Um, like today, not so much. I tried to have more of a day off. I went outside right. a bit because it's a very lovely day outside. Oh, it's boiling. <laughs> it is boiling. So I played fetch yeah. with my dog for a bit. I chilled with the family. It was just, yeah, nice. It's it's nice being at home. Um, nice. Yeah. I would say what TV I I, I know I know you tried Tiger King, but oh, went, well, went up I'm alley. not a huge TV watcher. Like I'm mainly, I'm building up a big watch list of things to watch once I've finished all my assignments for uni. So for example, I'm gonna start watching uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation. That's nice. something I'd like to binge because it just seems like perfect comfort watching. It is. Uh, yeah, community it is. is up there. I know you were watching that. Oh, and 100%. I just, yeah, I'd really like to watch it. I still need to finish Breaking Bad. I <laughs> oh, yeah. Part of, of that. Course. <laughs> what season are you on? Oh, like partway through season two. <laughs> oh, Jesus. No, okay, no, no we'll I haven't watched it in ages. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I would like to focus um, on all three. Also, just a big watch list of films, basically, because I've been watching yeah. films already, but like my right. Amazon watch list is building up. It's, yeah. <laughs> I've got the whole yeah. of the Before trilogy on there. Um, oh, nice. I nice. need to... Yeah, I'm just saving up all the nice things, basically, for after uni. I was, I was going to recommend uh, Ozark, but if you're watching Breaking Bad at the moment, you know, get that done, because Ozark is still good, but it's... it's I'd call it Breaking Bad light. I mean, I so. think I know how Breaking Bad ends anyway, like the general uh, idea. I mean, we still, don't have to talk still. about it. We don't have to talk about it, but... <laughs> just, I, no, no, still watch it, I mean, even knowing the end. Yeah, no, of course, of just, course. Um, it's great. But, but yeah, but yeah, anyway, I'm basically so, yeah. What have you been up to, Joe? Yeah, Joe. Uh, went on uh, a food shop. Out, yeah, I went on a food shop. I've been a detriment to this podcast in terms of recording um, because I just keep extending it. No, it's um, fine, dude. It's fine. I was late, guys, listeners. I was late to this episode because I timed my food shop uh, incorrectly. I didn't think that I'd be out there for that long, but it is. It's a jungle out there, so life uh, yeah. gets in the way. Uh, yeah, it's so it's so odd. So I can't see Lomax. I keep just like 
I have to like guess his, what his re- his facial reaction is right now. Uh, like, I can see I'm him. Just seeing Matt. I can see him. It's very surreal. He's been mocking okay. you for the entire episode, Joe. Of co- what? Just doing like no, a, he hasn't. Me, 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 me. I keep holding up I'm little kidding. signs to Matt and being like, "This guy." You got little googly guy. eyes on your hand. <laughs> yeah, um, I think like outside outside of films, I've been playing a lot of Minecraft with the house and playing Just yeah. Cause Four. Cool. Um, I've started a book, and by started, I mean I read half an hour of it, and just on the introduction section, and um, you know the the Sidfield screenplay book. Oh, yeah, yes. yeah. I've been reading that. Oh, I I was uh, so far. I started reading that book you got me, Joe, about the apartment. Nice. That was, nice. I liked it. It was interesting. It's interesting because the first segment of it is because it's told from this guy's perspective basically, and it's all about how he likes the apartment, but not as much as most people do. So I was like, oh, oh right. I thought I bought you the script. I you do. Just you have script. bought me the script, but there's other stuff oh, in it as like well. It's preface. got like a, yeah, preface and like cool. author's notes kind of thing. Oh, nice. And it's basically him saying like, oh, I like the apartment, but it wasn't exactly too cinematic, was it? I was just <laughs> the like, apartment biting is my the tongue reading it. Watch. <laughs> it's the perfect watching. That film is the perfect on a rainy day watch. I love it. It's one of the most wholesome, good-natured just well written films I've seen. But yeah, sp- speaking I of good it. natured and hashtag segue, <laughs> let's talk about some films. Yes. Um, our first film of the day. I'm sorry, it's just because time. Um, yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> Time's a construct. We've got 40 minutes for three films. We'll, we'll be alright. <laughs> um, so I'm going to let you guys take the reins on this first one. Um, it is Little Miss Sunshine. Yes, Little Miss Sunshine. Uh, Joe, you saw this for the first time recently, Joe Lomax? I did, I did. Um, it was interesting. It, it was, mm. um, <laughs> That's the key word so, of the podcast, guys. Yeah. Just a little bit of build-up. So Little Miss Sunshine, for those who don't know, is a sort of comedy drama about a little girl who really, really wants to be in a beauty pageant. So her and her sort of disconnected, disjointed family decide to travel across the country to the Little Miss Sunshine beauty pageant and the whole film is basically they're following their journey and all the bad and good things, the sweet and sour things that happen along the way. It's Mainly a bit of a dark comedy beautiful. because it opens up it, with, is. it opens up with Steve Carell's character basically being picked up from hospital after trying to uh, attempt suicide. Yeah, uh, just all, all of the characters kind of are twisted in their own way, aren't they? Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 one of those things where it's uh it's kind of sh- showing the good within the bad, you know what I mean? Mm. I, I, um, love it. This, I love I, it. I really enjoyed it. It was, um, it made me want to get, like, it, it's one of those kind of, it gave me the same feeling, but in a different context that I got from uh, Captain Fantastic, which is afterwards. Yes. After watching this I film, I was like, not only was I like, that was very real, actually, that was really nice in terms of characterization, but I, I also just wanted to get myself a little van <laughs> and go on a road trip <laughs> because that is the kind of vibes van. it has. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I 100% agree with the Captain Fantastic comparison because, I mean, I like Captain Fantastic more, but like, mm. they're the same similar quirky vibe. Of, I still like, haven't seen Captain Fantastic. Watch it. It's on yeah. Netflix. It's Viggo Mortensen, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, very good performances. <clears throat> but um, yeah, it's it's the it that that would be an interesting double bill um, of mm. just like cast of quirky characters on a road trip. Um, the reason why I let these guys take the reins more more than me because one I haven't seen it lately because I'm bad, uh, and two 
for some reason. You have such a hard time. <laughs> <laughs> with with my experience of this film, I I don't know if it was a hype thing, but I last time I watched it, I did it, hype I just it felt, up a lot. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, felt, I felt very. It's okay. Don't worry. I felt very partial to it, and I don't know if that's the case of this film being built up over time, but um, yeah, it, like no, I agree. It's. Yeah, so I it's yeah. great performances, and but like in terms of staying power for me, it just it it hasn't it hasn't stayed with me. I think it um, yeah, in comparison to Captain Fantastic, I think it is really just one of those really great slow burn films because I I haven't seen it recently either. I think the last time I watched it was when we watched it as a house back in yeah. what November I guess or yeah, yeah, something, like that. something like that. Because I did you buy it? Someone bought it. I think I can't remember. Because uh, I was. If you did buy it, I like I was thinking whether or not you bought it because then I could just borrow your password. <laughs> <laughs> but I um no because I'd seen it a couple of times ages and ages ago and then we decided to rewatch it as a house, and right. I realized how good it was because I remember it being very good, and I remember thinking oh that was nice I should probably rewatch it and it just hit me again how good it was and it, the fact that it had that staying power for me I think is. One of the so what, what about what about the film do you like what's what stays with you i just it's really well written and structured i think because you have all these different characters who go through all these negative things throughout the journey <laughs> apart from the main character who's a little girl who wants to be in this beauty pageant and all the bad things that happen to the other characters build up so well throughout the film until right. you get the and and yeah until you get the ultimate climax of her going to the beauty pageant and they realize all oh, this is a bit not right and i mean i don't, right. I don't want to spoil it for those who haven't yeah, seen it but there's but, yeah. a really great scene at the end which just summarizes the film perfectly i think which is um like the little girl she's at the beauty pageant and she does kind of embarrass herself a little bit and the parents and the whole family join in in yeah, embarrassing themselves with them it is very it's wholesome because i think film, despite the dark stuff in it and that ending is just so perfect i think because one it shows how much the family care for the little girl that they're willing to embarrass themselves for her and with her right. and also it's kind of like the family throughout the whole film they have all these disagreements about what they should do and everything and that moment in the film is them just coming together for the first time and all agreeing on something and sort of just letting loose because they realize they have nothing else to lose really They've reached nice. their lowest point, and they just yeah. want to have fun. Yeah, that's uh, what, what I took. What from did you that, think yeah. of the? Yeah, what did you guys think of the the performances? Who who stood out for you guys personally? For me, because uh, I know um, Alan Arkin, he won an Oscar for this film. Um, I personally wouldn't have chosen. I think for me, Steve Carell and Paul Dano were the real big yeah Oscar yeah, performances. Like every, everyone in the film is amazing in their own mm, way yeah like tony like, collette greg kinnear abigail breslin like i could easily say for every cast member in this this is one of if not their best performance but for me i think steve carell and paul dano were the two standouts for me right what about and you what about you Lomax? i'd uh, i'd agree with that for sure i think the all of them have a good time i think just you can tell that they it was just that beautiful coming together of all the different elements that make mm performances and make a film enjoyable which is there's some good writing behind it good direction and the cast all have good rapport around each other and like those those three elements when they can work together in tandem um can give you even if it because 
the thing that kept going through my mind was it's not a very flashy film it's quite no it's very it's, understated isn't yeah, it yeah it, it's a very yeah. it looks very low budget maybe it's just cuz it's a sign of the time that it was made but mm. i look at it and i'm um, and the reason why it wasn't so flashy but you were still invested because you wanted to see what was happening and you were enjoying these characters and then bouncing yeah. off each other is what kept me engrossed in it for so long and kept me going until the end. Right. Also, yeah. fun fact about this film, the guy who wrote it, Michael Arndt, I think is his name, this was his first screenplay. Yeah. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah. Nice. And he won an award for it and it's, yeah. Did he, didn't he direct or write Battle of the Sexes? I'm not sure. I know he wrote um, he wrote Toy Story three or co-wrote it, okay. and he wrote right. Catching Fire, a Hunger Games film. Oh okay. okay cool. Oh yeah, he's done it. He, he, there's a good video. I can't remember the title of it. There's there's series of videos on YouTube where it's like how I wrote insert title, mm. and it's you know like yeah I've been watching Sopranos, those. How, yeah. yeah, I watched there's, the there's uh, one... Bong Joon Ho one for Parasite. That was that yeah. was good. And there's one where it is just a compilation of writers, and he pops up and he talks about how with Pixar when he's writing for Pixar they they break down they I think it's how these the video is called how these writers outline mm. or something like that and they were talking about how with writing for Pixar they break it down in terms of spectacle and and yeah just mm. set pieces essentially um there's just a nice little and was fact. that the writer of Little Miss Sunshine who was on it yeah, you, yeah. Oh, okay that's so, cool. but it's interesting seeing I don't know if you could say that same model has been applied to Little Miss Sunshine or not I guess because it's not really spectacle. It's just like I've, what? What do you mean by spectacle? What, what? Just like I'd, it's it's better to watch that video and explain okay. it. But okay. it, I think it, spectacle yeah, is a little side in this time is more kind of the USP, if you see what I mean. Which is what is the what is the thing that's going to get the bums and seats, and what is yeah, the thing that people are going to get like excited about? What's the selling point right. of this film? And that, I think that's what spectacle is into some films. Is that, that and also meant, like the marketability, like marketability of different people. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know if he says it in that video, but I, yeah, I can, that fits with Pixar. Um, it, yeah, again, I'm like ultimately paraphrasing because I just watch that video. <laughs> I think it's just called how, how Writers Outline or something. Yeah, because yeah. um, I, I know the videos you're talking about, I think, and yeah. I've seen a few. I watched uh, the Ryan Johnson one as well for Knives Out. That yeah. was very good. Um, oh, I watched um, that recently, actually. It's uh, good, isn't it? It's, it's uh, enjoyable. <laughs> we, almost, anyway. we almost decided to have to talk about Knives Out on the podcast, but I, I think I vetoed it because I would say if we, it was Rear Window, Little Miss Sunshine, and... We'd just be gushing we about would just be gushing, time. Yeah, because it's and like that's, three that's okay. perfect films. <laughs> that's completely um, okay. But yeah, I think... Isn't this like Steve Carell's... Like one of Steve Carell's first dramatic performances? Yes, yeah, it is. I think Bruce Almighty was like his first film. Uh, right. Yeah, in then, terms of dramatic in terms performances, of comedic I think going you're right. On to dramatic. Yeah, I think mm. you're right. He's he is great. I think Steve Carell. Yeah. There's not enough yeah. recognition for him, like as a not at all. comedic yeah. and dramatic actor. I think he's one of the best working today. It, he's he's definitely earned, earned his stripes dramatically. Like, I saw him in this or Foxcatcher. I saw him Beautiful in Boy. Beautiful Boy recently, and that's a messy film. But him him and that and Timothy Chalamet are pitch perfect mm. honestly i think yeah. the messiness adds into that film but i, I could talk about beautiful boy on a whole for that's a, another a whole, podcast longer, but yeah another <laughs> podcast we'll talk about yeah i, I don't know but yeah it's two um, very great performances um we don't want to spend too much time comparing but i it, i do think it's important to bring this film up because of how similar they could be um lomax how was watching little miss sunshine for you 
after just watching Captain Fantastic because Captain Fantastic yeah. came, came out after it wasn't just right. after I think maybe um, right I think for me I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed Captain Fantastic more because they're um, I don't know I think with Luma Sunshine um, when I was watching it because you had so many different intertwining stories although they all worked and they came together at the end with um, with Captain Fantastic it was quite easy to follow along with what was basically going on and you had all of these children in there that were giving out some really great performances but you're only really focusing on um you know maybe two or three of them out of like what the, the six or seven of them that are there um, right yeah and, and i think also it i to me it was a lot more of a it had a lot more of that feel-good factor tied into it compared to um a little Miss sunshine because as matt said because it's a dysfunctional family sometimes you know there's certain scenes in there um, I think it was a lot. There was a lot more of a focus on the dysfunctional family side of things as opposed to the dark comedy. Whereas uh, right. Captain Fantastic's themes are all around, um, you know, parenthood and anti-disestablishment and that kind of stuff. Right. Um, I really so, need to see this film. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it can't recommend it. Enough. The dialogue yeah. in that film is immense, and it has one of my favorite <laughs> scenes ever. But it's kind of a spoiler, so I won't say much about it. But um, I think. In terms of so you're saying Little Miss Sunshine's probably more depressing for you, or kind of. I wouldn't say depressing. I think the the two the only comparisons I would make between them is they've got dark comedy elements in both of them are road trip movies. Apart from that, they're separate okay. entities. They explore Who different wrote and themes. Directed Captain Fantastic. Oh, sorry. I I can check real quick. Um, by the way, as a side note, if you guys can hear my laptop breathing for its life, I'm so sorry. I can't. I cannot. About it. <laughs> no, just for because. Mike I've only got one headphone uh, in case. It's directed by Matt Ross. I don't know what else he's directed. I can check real quick. Uh, Matt Ross has done. Okay, I think he was a writer on American Psycho or something on American oh. Psycho and something on The Aviator as well. Ooh, okay. um, I would keep on checking, but then you're just going to hear me tapping a bunch. Yeah, um, I'm afraid to check on my phone because I'm recording on this and I'm afraid it will just delete everything. So <laughs> I'm going to keep it as I, is. I don't. This isn't like a, a, the best thing to say, but I don't know why I don't have a lot to say about Little Miss Sunshine. That's okay. Like, I, d I don't know if it's, you know. I could tell you this you much. Know, I know it's, it's, it can or... easily get lost amongst everything else. When you watch it yeah. and you're present with it, it's enjoyable. But I can tell you this right now. I think I only probably watched it, I want to say, like two or three weeks ago. But I only recently had to think about it again when we were talking about it for the podcast. Other than that, I was mm. like, oh, wow, okay, I need to remember some things. And then I had two standout yeah. moments, but when I sat with it a bit longer, more and more comes to you. Whereas I can I, I can call upon four or five different scenes in Captain Fantastic that I enjoyed. Same with Knives Out and stuff like that. I think it's a film that is very, very good, but unless you have an understanding of why it's good, unless you have an understanding of characterization and narrative structures, it's kind of a one of those films that gets pushed off to the side quite a lot. Would you recommend it to... Your, your average watcher or your, your like, yeah. you know, family members or anything. Yeah, definitely. It, yeah. I, I think, like, the, the, I will recommend a film if I think it's good, even if it's flawed, because it, there's no perfect film. There, there, is, no. there is good films, there's okay films, and it depends on your mood and your circumstance. And a lot of the time, uh, even if some people dislike a particular film, I'd still recommend it to them because it's like, hey, you might not 
like this particular director or you might not like the person who's starring in it because of other roles but it's still a feel-good film and don't knock right. it based off of one particular person and their work like having that separation yeah, is a bit um, and I think I try and adopt that as well. When people recommend films. To when me. you said Sorry. like watching a film depends on how you're feeling and the mood and the circumstance, that's very important. I think, and yeah. I think people often forget that. And I think Little Miss Sunshine is very much one of those films because the happiness and the sadness balance very well in it. And I think depending on how you're feeling could determine how you watch the film. I think. Yeah, I think so I. I what, what mood would you have to be in? I'm not to sure. Watch it? Um, I'd say it would have to be I'd, I'd, it'd have to be sort of like a chilled mood like maybe you've yeah. come back from work and you've sat down and you've like just finished your dinner or something right like yeah because it's one of those kind of films where you can sit there it's easy watching and it can hold your attention for a bit but if you lose like say if you do look at your phone for a few moments and look back up it's easy to jump back in and figure out where you're going and like what's happening right. because the, the narrative is very uh, the device that's used to drive the narrative forward is very clear throughout and it gets reminded quite a lot, so you can easily jump back into it. Compared yeah. to, since, we're, since we've been talking about all these different films, uh, compared to like Knives Out, for example, which is you have to sit there and give it the attention, otherwise you're going to miss it. Right. Um, yeah. You'll miss a crucial bit or a little, like a little piece of information it's that's going to pay off. It's a much film. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that, that's because agree. it le leads itself to the murder mystery genre, so you need to pay attention to it. Yeah. Whereas Little Miss Sunshine is kind of just... A dark it's comedy. a more chill out film. Yeah, yeah. It's not chill. as intricate, but it's still... Mm. Yeah, it's good. Did, did it? Um, I know you said Alan Arkin won. Yes. But did uh, did it win anything else? It won best original screenplay and also got okay. a best picture nom. And I think Abigail Breslin, the little girl in it, got oh, yeah, a nomination. Oh yeah, she's one of the yeah. yeah. I think that's all. One of the youngest nominees. Yeah, I think that's all it got. So it won two and yeah. This is a great child performance. Uh, it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I said, everyone in this, it's just. One, like one of their best performances like Greg Kinnear I can't name many great films he's been in and this is uh, Brigsby Bear <laughs> what? Brigsby Bear what's that? Uh, it's funnily enough um, uh, J uh, our housemate Jack who give me a coin every time fucking I name drop him and the phrase is not give me a coin um, he, he um, he's been he's he's a big champion of Brigsby Bear you need to watch it it's a it's a i don't know if the guy's an snl writer but i know he came up through youtube and then snl and the comedy scene it's just like a independent like dark comedy with mark hamill and greg kinnear and okay it, look up the trailer later on but okay. um that's a good greg kinnear film um also there's a fun little side note if you ever want to see any weird TikToks about Greg Kinnear, look up Philip is Perturbed, who is our housemate Ruben. Um, he does a lot of TikToks about Greg yeah, Kinnear. Yeah, and they're not good. I don't know why, but... <laughs> plug, 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 plug. You know, go see that for uh, just is there, something What's, what's the opposite of a plug? Because I want to do that to his TikToks. Uh, <laughs> an anti-recommendation. <laughs> anyway. Um, anyway. So... Am I right in saying this is one of your favourite films, Matt? I think so, yeah. Re recently, it's w it's not one of those that hit me straight away, but reflecting back on it, I think it is one of the best films I've I've seen. It it's definitely up there, maybe not top ten, but somewhere right. in that vicinity of favourite films that I've seen. Fair enough. Nice. Um, I can't think of anything else to say in regards to Little Miss Sunshine. Should we just um, wrap it up on that? 
yeah, I'd say, well, what we've gathered is, like, if you want a good chill time, to, you know, if you want to relax. If you want to be some... depressed and then happy again, <laughs> then live on the sunshine is, is your Good old of emotions. It really is. It's, it goes it's to the lowest film. lows. It's a very human yes. film, yes. That's a Definitely. good way to describe it. Yeah. Um, All right. Yeah, that's, here's my segue. Speaking of humans, boy. Um, <laughs> what a type of human is a boy. <laughs> boy is a 2010 film, uh, New Zealand uh, comedy drama film uh, written and directed by Taika Waititi. Um, and it's about uh, a boy named Alamein who uh, is spending his summer... Uh, his his nan has gone home, uh, gone away for a funeral, and he has to look after all his cousins. When his estranged father comes back into his life, who is played by Taika Waititi, um, yeah, thought, thoughts and opinions. I uh, I really struggled to like Boy as a character. I know you meant. Okay. I know you meant to not like um, the father. Like Taika does it a lot in his films, where it's he he talks a lot about dads not being good dads <laughs> and, right. and he find he's he finds the the innocence of childhood um and using children as a narrative device to tell comedy but also tell quite um not dark stories but um quite raw real stories in yeah. that sense you know like hunt for the wilder yeah. people is another example for that um, right, that's a bit more comedic, I think. Yeah, yeah. he. It's this was like bit more this one was like his first film, like his first feature outing. Yeah. So I can imagine that yeah. he didn't put so much comedy in there because he was trying to focus on the drama side of it, and also acting. Well, it. Mm. so just quickly preface, I, I forgot that uh, Alamein calls himself Boy as well, mm. and he's named after his father. Um, I, so this was his second feature, I believe. Yes, because after Eagle versus doing Shark. Eagle versus Shark. Yeah. Jinx but Jinx I read Bandica. that he was developing this film before <laughs> yeah. Eagle vs. Shark. Yeah. For quite a while, he like he workshopped it at um, a, a Sundance Writers Lab at one point, yeah. and then did some. Yeah, he, yeah, he made a short film and got involved with it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, he did a short film called Two Cars One Night. Yes. Uh, yeah. And they got picked up by Fox Searchlight, and that was the reason why. And he owes a lot of his. He says a lot in interviews that they funded a lot of his first films, and they believed in him going forwards because yeah. a lot of people said, "You can't do this. You can't do that." Yeah, there's um a lot of the so there's a the scene in Boy where the shots are very similar yeah. to Two Cars One Night. And the actors I think are the same yeah. as well. Like the two actors from, they're a little bit younger. Fun, fun, funnily enough, they're not because um I found out that uh, the main actor who plays Boy, James Rolleston, was cast two days before principal before uh, production. Mm. He was an extra, and then something wasn't working out with the the main actor that was playing Boy. And yeah. you know he he cast him instead. Yes. And it's a very good child performance. Yeah, there's some whether yeah. or not the character's likable is you know. Yeah, I think I didn't I think like him because although, deliberately messy. Yeah, I it I didn't like him because uh, he just was a dick to his little brother all the time, <laughs> and like I know that was part of this narrative device. Like he wants to be seen in his father's eyes, and he wants to believe in this kind of dream of his dad that he's put up there. But uh, I was still a bit like. Uh, it still right. doesn't excuse yourself being a dick to everyone. Um, That's fair. I, and yeah. I know the whole thing was like, he realizes that he's being a reflection of what his dad is actually like, which is why he confronts him towards the end. And they have like right. that, that kind of reconciliation. And that's when I kind of, so basically in the last like 20 minutes of the film, I was like, okay, I like him now. But up until that point, I was like, <laughs> Ugh, okay. Um, 
And like some of the comedies, like it's it's there, but I think it's still a little bit dated for 2010. Um, mm. Right. I think it's like a nice quirky mix because like in, yeah. the, in the hands of another director, like Boy is a character is quite hard done by. Yeah. You know, he's like, he's, you know, like giving his cousins powdered milk and it like... He's a young Karen. Just like... Basically. Yeah. 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 Um, and... Oh, great. My dad's FaceTiming me. Get him oh, in. Jesus. <laughs> Ask what he thinks of boy. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I knew something like that would happen. Sorry, ask him. Uh, ask, let's, let's, right. let's drop it all and ask him about uh, how he enjoyed being in Vera. <laughs> so, Daddy, not, in, on the off chance you're listening to this, I'm not saying fuck's sake and annoyance, just only fuck's sake and that. I don't know if I edit We've been this planning this podcast for decades. Oh, he's calling me again. <laughs> oh, well, we're not editing this out because we love rawness. It's naturalistic. Just like boy. It's a very just raw like film. Boy. Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> I've sent him an iMessage. I hope he gets it and okay. doesn't try and call me again. Sorry, Dad. I'm, but I'm it's, recording. It's a good <laughs> film. Oh, I, sorry, I Dad. Tiger with Titi. Boy. I'm sorry, Dad. I can't call right now. <laughs> this is hey, bro, I'm so. doing a podcast. I can't call you. <laughs> Why did so you sound... You sounded more South African, Matt, than podcast. you did more uh, New Zealand. You know what, Lomax? I'm not an impressionist. Uh... So many elements have gotten in the way of trying to record this podcast. Anyway, <laughs> Sorry. speaking of dads, what did we think of Taika Waititi's performance? As I really the liked it. I, I really liked his performance mm. in it. It's it, good. It kind of reminded me of what uh, Shia LaBeouf did with Honey Boy, where he played his, I think he played his father more to kind of act out those things yeah. and kind of like see his perspective on it all. And I think that was maybe not the case. I think maybe he just likes to put himself in his movies because he's said before he's a bit of an egomaniac. Yeah. I think I think he does like putting himself in his film. So there was an interview I saw where he, I think, just in a non-vain way, he generally he auditioned a bunch of people, mm. but he just couldn't see the things yeah. he wanted performed out of those. Mm. So he was just like, "I'll do, I can hit the beats I want to hit if it's you know me and yeah yeah sorry excuse me uh, me in the film um that <laughs> I think this film is it like ages well the the thing that doesn't age well is the, the michael jackson fandom <laughs> this film has well it's um, like an 80s he's a massive nostalgic michael, thrill isn't it in some ways yeah it's, it's, set, like... it's set in the 80s yeah um there's there's a great uh thriller slash hacker yeah um, oh yes and i the like that scene yeah. i really like that um i like this one. i think uh, i yeah. said to you earlier didn't Sorry, i that it's kind of like taika watiti doing a link later film in a way yeah, because it's uh, like uh, just a, like a chill yeah. out film, right? It, it's a good summer film. It's a good yeah. summer film. It's because I watched um, Hunt for the Wilder People before Boy, and because I was just trying to watch more YTT films, and right, I noticed that Hunt for the Wilder People they're both good films, but Hunt for the Wilder People seemed more polished. I thought, yeah. and I know, like he had Boy, more money. <laughs> he had more money, yeah. But I mean, like, narratively as well, you know? Oh, okay. Narratively I, I, and cinematically. I still cinematically. haven't finished Hunt for the Wilder People. Because I think I need to. it depends on what kind of films you like, because Hunt for the Wilder People it does have a stronger and more tightly written narrative, but Boy is also, like, a really nice, just chill, hangout film yeah. that does have a good focus I, on character, I think. And it's, it's also it's, a it's good representation of, of New Zealand. Like, I think he, yeah, he yeah. talks it's a lot good about for, like, it where its cultural like, background, yeah. Yeah, he talks a lot about it in interviews where he's like, hey, Polynesia and Polynesian countries get used way too often for films, but get none of the mm. recognition for it. Yeah. And, uh, and I think I the messiness that. of the film kind of suits it, I think. It kind yeah. of comes together. 
And I know it's one of his earlier films. It was his second film, wasn't it? I think. Yes. And it's almost like he's sort of flexing his uh, comedic muscles, almost like warming oh, up for There's... other films, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like he hasn't quite so figured going... out yet, so he's just sort of doing what he can. Yeah. Going going off of um, just um, it being a New Zealand film, this mm. is uh, New Zealand's highest grossing film. Yeah. Is it? Yeah, I did not know that. Which is a, it's quite a big deal because it's like, it's not necessarily an indie, but you know, it's not a huge budget, um, and you know, it doesn't have like star like Taika wasn't as big then as he is now. He's probably the yeah, most famous person in it. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it's just yeah, it's one of yeah New Zealand's highest grossing films, and it, I think it yeah it does capture New Zealand very well, and it's just a great summer film you feel the whole summer it captions it, it um, captures rural New Zealand very well even though it's set in the yes. 80s of just that kind of vibe right. like, I identified a lot with that theme from growing up in the countryside even though they're completely different places on, on the other side of the world but mm-hmm. the kind of right. themes are still the same where you're like hanging out with a group of mates you don't know really what to do so you like hang out by the river or you go to like the local shop and try and get ice cream and stuff Yeah, like right. it's one of those things where it it shows this kind of, and I think it plays into the film quite well because it, it feels like there's something missing in that vastness of like this country town. It feels like a disconnection, and that's essentially what that film is: is a disconnection from his father um, at yeah. its core. And it's like trying to connect with him in the way that he thinks he can, but the reality of it is, is that his dad doesn't want to have that connection because he's doing mm. his own thing. Um, and it does it in quite an innocent way, doesn't it? Because yes. it always he, manages yeah. to get the perspective of boy. So the film never mm. feels like too dark or anything in that. While tackling but even that just issue. from his his little brother, when his little brother sees things as you know, he, he sees everything as a drawing or yeah, cartoon yeah. because yeah. he's obsessed with superheroes. And it does well it, with that it, sort of childlike perspective. Of I think and, it's kind of like yeah. with mid nineties how that was like another sort of hangout film that was told from the children's perspective. So yeah, it's it's yeah. a lot easier boy, to pursue those those darker themes yeah. through the eyes of childhood innocence because I think you identify with it a lot more from like a um, I know for older audiences if they have children that paternal maternal instinct kind of kicks in and it makes you care for them a lot more and also if you're kind of like us you pick up on themes you're like oh, I remember that as a kid I remember yeah. not having awareness and so will older that. audiences they'll remember exactly, yeah. from their childhood Yeah, um, it's a lot easier yeah. to explore it in that way and get the message across clearer than trying to yeah. do it you know I I agree in the sense it does capture childhood like innocence and like wonder very well and, mm-hmm. and he's continued to do that in his other mm-hmm. films. Um, yeah. Um, sorry, I'm just like losing steam a bit. I I think he, like his performance is very good in in the sense of when he needs to be dramatic, it it works. But he's not, you know, betraying his character. Yeah. He's the character's still silly and the jokes the are never at the expense of the character. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's it's he's still he's not ditching comedy to be like oh I'm I'm serious now, mm. like, and vice yeah, versa. It, yeah, I yeah I, it's a great Taika performance. The the writing's great. Um, I really like the music. Yeah, um, music's great. It, yeah, yeah. It it's just a great use of past the duchy. It's a great song. Um, yeah, I, I've got. I'm, yeah, I'm running out of things to say with Boy, really, because... Well, we can move on if you want. We've only he... got... Sorry, go ahead. It, it, go ahead. To, to kind of give you a wrap-up, Joe, if you're running out of things, it's one of those films where, essentially, uh, 
what you, there's no you can jump and look into it deeper as much as you want but a lot of it is kind of handed to you on a plate it's like this is what you see right. this is what you get enjoy it or not and i think that's what i like about that film is it's that childhood kind of rawness of like this is how i see things and yeah. again children in general they they don't really disguise things they're very to the point uh, about right. stuff um they have no it, filter it would be a no good double bill yeah it would be a good double bill with little miss sunshine i think if you yeah. Yeah. wanting to watch chill and hunt for the water people because although they're different yeah. they both like joe said they maintain that childlike perspective i think and jojo right. rabbit as well just like yeah, just good films. at that it's just it's just yeah. his yeah. main he's a child thing. himself yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah he uses children a lot to tell his stories because it's yes. easier to yeah children can get away with just being raw and to the point and that also adds into the comedy because you can just get a punchline yeah. out by stating the obvious yeah. which children are good at doing he's very good at coming of age films yeah yeah, some some quick uh, facts before we wrap up on this. Um, so James Rolleston, who plays Boy slash Alamein, uh, he has he hasn't acted a lot since, but he now has acted in um, a film called The Breaker Uppers, which Taika uh, executive produced, and that's on Netflix. If you want to check that out, cool. um, if you want to see him as an adult actor now, um, and uh, the film was originally called The Volcano, and yes, yeah. I think they changed it because. Well, it was called that during shooting, and they I think they were dealing with scenes that involved volcanoes and whatnot, but then the editing room, they found out that they wanted to... Because it was also called know. The Choice at one point, but he was yeah. worried it wouldn't translate well. Yeah. Or something? Um, I'm not Something like sure. that. And in general, this, like, if Eagle vs. Shark was his, like, attack against rom-coms, or not attack, but, like, a way of subverting it... I still haven't was, seen um, it. Hit, yeah, but, like... This this film was his attempt to subvert or you know play with the coming of age genre, and I yeah. think it does it quite well. Yeah, um, I liked it. Yeah, I wouldn't say I loved um, it, but I'm not. I don't usually go for like those sort of hangout films, but I I would yeah. recommend it. I would recommend this one. So, <laughs> so I've seen I've seen this film like three four times, right? So I went to watch it the other day, and I was like, I was feeling quite tired, and I was like. I don't mind falling asleep a bit. I'll only like close my eyes for a couple of seconds because I've seen the film a, a, a couple of times. I can just you know let it sink in. I like fell asleep for the solid middle of the film, um, but it's okay because I knew where I was and I'd seen it a bunch. All right, we should probably wrap up now because we've of course only got yeah. about ten minutes. Um, we're we're gonna run over a little bit because this is Downey's one of Downey's favorite films. <laughs> It's got a lot to say, oh, and I've rec- I'm fresh out of watching this film as well. So thing is, thing oh, is, I would film. have. I would have a lot to say, but I also don't in the sense of, and this is, again, our podcast's favourite word, I would just gush over it. Um, <laughs> but what's wrong with that? Our, if you enjoy, This is a medium you enjoy. You enjoy talking course, about it. But you made this anyway, podcast to talk about films. Gush let's, about uh, it, should we begin? <laughs> yeah, sure. Yes. Rear Window. Rear Window, <laughs> our final film of this podcast. 1954, Alfred Hitchcock. Yes. Hey, he's doing the hosting for us. It's great. It's you're gonna take your job, Matt. <laughs> well, it'd be easier so to take your job because lately. we've got the same first name. Of course. And well, I mean, yeah. so be your, your Joe Lomax, do you want double. to give us the background on Rear Window? Wait, let, uh, wait, real quick before that. Um, how did you? How did you get into this film? <laughs> you know, you're full of shameless plugs today, aren't you? <laughs> Advertising like a shameless whore. Backstory. Yeah. Um, so, you graciously sent me a copy of this film uh, for mm-hmm. my birthday because for the longest time uh, before this whole situation happened, I was very stubborn to sitting down and watching films because I was a very very busy <laughs> young man. 
Um, and a lot of the time I just didn't have the attention span to sit down and uh, absorb a lot of these uh, films that people tell you to go and watch. So I was like, nah, I'm okay. But since coming into lockdown, obviously I've had a bit more free time to sit down and get on with it because a lot of the stuff I was doing is falling off a cliff in terms of uh, availability and productivity. So uh, right. I finally sat down and, and committed to watching it and it, it didn't disappoint. Yeah. It's great, so, isn't it? <laughs> it's it's one of my favorite films i love and it it's one of my mum's favorite films as well she wanted yeah, me to say nice. that on this podcast <laughs> i haven't seen much big up Teresa. <laughs> sorry big up Teresa parkinson yes yeah. God's yeah. let's have her on the podcast oh uh, my yeah. dad on the podcast have Teresa on be a great time sure we'll oh, talk that'd about, be nice actually you know we'll talk about cold war and we'll talk about <laughs> i don't know <laughs> anyway um yeah, it's just what year was it again? Sorry, nineteen fifty-four. I haven't seen many Hitchcock films either, so this was kind of like my uh, my big introduction to it. In it's our a humble opinion, this is his best. Yeah, it's just perfect. It's it the is perfect it's, isolation. It's the perfect film. thrill <laughs> as well. Yeah, it is just great. I because I first saw this film when I was like eight years old. I think okay. I was telling you about this, wasn't <laughs> I, Joe? Yeah, <laughs> we we uh, oh, we had friends round, and my parents wanted to find a film that was really good. They wanted to also, culture you, <laughs> also like a PG rating, and yeah. we watched it. And I just remember being bored, really bored while watching because I was eight years old. I was like, oh, can we put of on course, Ratatouille yeah. or something? It was like, I don't want to watch this <laughs> slow burn um, of James Stewart looking out a window. Oh yeah, she's committed. Oh, no, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> but then obviously I rewatched it again. I watched it in first year at uni for a bit mm-hmm. but then the dvd broke so i only watched half of it and then i finally watched it again did you recently. break uni equipment now no i didn't break it it was my own dvd good good but no i watched um. it again and it, it is it's per, it's the perfect thriller i think because it has yeah. everything that's great about a thriller and it sort of elevates it i think because usually you know those sort of crime mystery things it's yeah. enough tension being built trying to figure out how the crime was done and who committed it but it adds right. it elevates it further by having the protagonist sort of physically unable to do something about it i think yeah and, he's like yeah. some he's a very he's to give you context on james Stewart's character he is like a a photographer for for journalism yes. like he's a journalistic photographer so he's kind of sleuthy in that sense and he doesn't like to take no for an answer Mm. Um, yeah. and they set up he very much is a busybody not wanting to leave his house like most of us right now yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, he, the only reason why he's staying in there is simply because he was so determined to get good work that he got in front of a car accident in order to take a photo and they set it up in the mm. first two minutes really easily with one they phone do, call they do. sets it up moves along where it's like hey you want to know why he's got a cast on his leg boom done and they've set up the character one big tracking shot yeah perfect it was it was wonderful i loved it had like it did have that kind of like gossip vibe to it with him and i can't remember her name now but the um Uh, grace kelly grace kelly is that the character's name or the actress's name the actress's name the actress okay you talking about the love interest yes the 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 gorgeous blonde lady that he was like i can't marry her i was so mad at him for the first half an hour of that film (laughs) because he spends all james stewart films where he's like doing way too like he's punching in a lot of his films he's like he like it's very it is a very 50s film as well because the way it's written and a lot of the societal impacts on it and stuff like that and sign of the times but I just, this woman is literally coming in with a fine dinner. She's saying that she's happy to find him loads of work. 
and yeah. she wants yeah. to and marry he's just like, him. Shut she's up, like, woman. It's kind of, yeah, yeah. And he's like, he's I don't want to marry her. I don't want to be tied yeah. down, you see? It's like, I want to travel the world. And it's like, you already have traveled the world. You're talking about going to Shanghai and all these other places, which in the 50s was bloody hard to do. And he's just like, I don't know. Yeah. And he's like, James Stewart, he's a handsome man. But by today's standards, he's like, he's kind of like the Silver Fox vibes. He's not like super, of course. he's not super buff or anything like that. He's just got a very handsome face and a very yeah. stoic it's attitude. It's not Mr. Smith goes to Washington era, yeah. James uh, Stewart. He's not yeah. the young man anymore. He's right. a and cranky this, this oldie. beautiful... <laughs> beautiful beautiful woman comes in <laughs> and it's like literally like not pining over him but very much like hey i'm into you i know that you're injured right now here i brought you a nice dinner we can sit down and help him solve this murder when all she has to do is carry on her lovely life she could easily be like fine all right see you later bye but instead helps him solve this this mystery and it's only towards the end of but the, the film. arc that comes out of that is perfect because yeah you know he want like they both help each other out and, yeah exactly you know, and he sees yeah. her as an equal I think by the end of the f- the whole point of it is he starts to see her as an equal because it starts off with her yeah. being like I can't I can't marry her she's this kind of you know too good for me too flashy yeah too flashy all powder and, and perfume and I get yeah. that and by the end of the film she shows that she's very capable and she's very intelligent and stuff like he even says mm. it herself part of the way through but for that first half an hour I just kept going like <laughs> why aren't you marrying yeah. this woman <laughs> <laughs> Of course, yeah. but uh, no, I um, I really loved it. I think like it it was paced perfectly. My problem a lot yeah, of the time with like thrillers and mysteries is sometimes, especially in Act Two, it can lose me a little bit because it's just trying to build up and trying to explore this. But it does it in a way where you kind of lose traction. But it does it in such a way where each beat, each moment, like builds up more and more. Where it's like, okay, is he? Is this person the murderer? How has he done it? Is this this? Yeah. Is this that? Uh, and it worked really well. Like I'm glad I've watched it now, knowing what I know. Like if I watched it when I was a bit long- younger, like you did, Matt, I feel like I'd have the same thing of just kind of looking at it and being like, "Is that dog dead? Oh, okay." Yeah, that that was. A I don't want to watch this film I, anymore. I wasn't an intelligent <laughs> child as as well, so it's like. It's no, it's not about intelligence. It's about children's it's attention a, span. Do you know what I mean? That's why yeah. it's hard for them to sit down and actually pay attention to these films. Which is why you also, find a lot of childhood films, really when you revisit them as an adult, they're actually quite enjoyable because the writing is targeted to the adults, yeah. but the actual visuals are targeted yeah. to the children. Little right. side tangent, if you want another really well-paced, contained Hitchcock film, I can't recommend enough Darlene for Murder. Oh yeah. That's yeah. a I'm, terrific, yeah. underrated Hitchcock film. It's really annoying. I have a, I have like some Hitchcock box sets, but I've lost Darlene for Murder. <sighs> so good so it I might be it's it. in my top three of hitchcock films i think it's yeah. it's amazing well, I, think, I love it i think if you're jumping into hitchcock the the first two that are like a good springboard is um you know rear window and psycho yeah um uh, yeah and maybe strangers on the train <laughs> but yeah um strangers on a train yeah. as well I think yeah. North by Northwest is a little bit overrated, personally. Let, yeah, um, let's not, you know, <laughs> yeah, sorry, get into that. But, um, <laughs> Our cinephiles are coming out now. I don't know. It's just, we're talking about Hitchcock going, we're talking about overrated <laughs> stuff. <laughs> it's just um, my opinion. I, the performances in, in this film, the performances are great. Oh, yeah. The writing is great. Yes. Like I said, the perfect isolation film, if you want to watch something mm. that's similar to life right now. Music's really good as well. Um, Mm. The, the music the set building they mm. built that whole giant just the set. feel of the film as well because it's very claustrophobic throughout yeah. uh, just the way it's yeah. directed yeah. is really it, something the stuff he does with lighting when you want to feel some oh, tension yeah, the last where, scene there's a moment where you just see a cigarette well. yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh. There's a moment where you just see a cigarette and yeah, it's I know like exactly in the dark mean. and it's yeah. oh it's yeah. so good. The cinematography's um, great, especially in the last yeah. scene. Um like and especially when we're talking about camera work, um just like we said earlier, the opening shot tells you everything you need to know mm. before you're getting into the film. You know it's a really hot day, you know this guy can't move, you know he's like like quite famous because of all the the all, like the accolades the yeah. he's getting on the accolades it's just perfect visual storytelling and then just the characters as well like mm-hmm. he's a stubborn anti-marriage person that you know grows yeah, throughout yeah. the film the first the 10 minutes you set fit, up yeah. james sorry to cut you off it's literally first 10 no, minutes fine. you set up james stewart and his character as the main obviously it's the main focal point you set up what's going on because you see just a little bit of argument between the the protagonist and the first kind of event that yeah without giving too much away the first event that kind of kickstarts this uh, string of other events that build up into the mystery vibe of it and it does all of that right literally before the 15 minute mark so from mm. there you're just watching it all unfold and it's managed to hook yeah. you it's, it is i see now why people would say like this film is sort of a master class in visual yeah. storytelling as well as physical storytelling i wish eight-year-old me got that <laughs> but he did. I don't know so if I was eight. I might have been younger or older. It was around eight that year old. Age. I don't think eight year old Matty P was sat there being like, "Do you know what I want to do? I want to make a murder mystery." He, you're probably like, "Is Paw Patrol on, mother?" <laughs> was Paw Patrol out then? Oh no, probably. It's been around for a while. Know. Anyway, so we not end it this... on Paw Patrol. <laughs> no, no, no. It's fine. Don't worry, guys. Paw Patrol and right. Rear Window actually have a lot of similarities. Okay. <laughs> If you sit down and have a look at it, uh, James Stewart's character is actually very reminiscent of the Blue Dog in Paw Patrol. I don't even know. Hitchcock directed both of them as well. Not a lot of people. <laughs> Paw Patrol is a TV series. <laughs> you need to be. Stopped. You can direct a TV series anyway. <laughs> anyway, um, this is the. Funnily enough, this is the second film on the podcast that we've talked about that has a sentimental place for me because of college. So previously. We talked about Chunking Express, but um, also Rear Window was a film we had to study and go into and compare to uh, some of the remakes that have come out. So Rear Window, after this, was there was um, there was a TV movie of Rear Window with Christopher Reeve and Daryl Hannah. Um, there was, there's also a, a South African remake called, I think, Room 337 cool. or 237. And, um, and then there was, a, there was a big law case uh, around the 2000s where the film Disturbia, uh, Shia LaBeouf film uh, basically ripped off Rear Window to the point where Hitchcock's estate tried to sue them um, for not you know, mm. properly establishing that and whatnot. but if you want to watch Disturbia that's on Netflix it's a good like just cheesy horror but, um, it's yeah, on the, Canopy the film... as well I think or the original yeah, one is yeah. is it? what Rear Window or Disturbia? Disturbia is is the only oh the no only one sorry to I'm, mind sorry I'm getting it confused with Suspiria sorry That's ignore fine. me no worries. ignore me cut but, that um, out yeah this <laughs> trust me there is no cutting happening oh, um, damn it yeah it's gonna be perfect raw listening aka it's hard to edit on GarageBand for me personally but, Gar- um, <laughs> GarageBand yeah man um, I exported all three episodes only to find out that I need to learn about compression equalization you're gonna add a fine. piano loop to our Dude, lock, lockdown is all lockdown is all around learning new things right of course of course but yeah so make us um, some sweet garage band tunes <laughs> oh, i haven't man. used garage band since like bangers. secondary school and then start right. going start going Stop on all the different dissing. reddit threads being like bro check out my mixtape straight fire bro anyway, 
Rear Window is just a perfect film. It is. It's, 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 it's I, I, oh, I hate well. the term perfect film. I'm sorry, because there's no such thing. He means it in a colloquial way. Let's not no such yeah. get into in this exagger- a minute before I'm the end of the podcast. But <laughs> it's, I just love it. That's all I can mm. say, really. Yes. Um, I can understand why. Yeah. Um, I love this as I well. I have no criticisms for it. Uh, the one thing that might be awkward uh, now to watch it is that... Um, Obviously, it's an old film, so when there's action, like um, like immense action, the footage is incredibly sped up. Mm-hmm. But you can forgive that because of the times. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't take yeah. you out of it. I think it. No, it's it just a there's only there's only one shot that is sped up enough to be noticeable, and it's like a woman right. running to to a window, and that's it. So it doesn't really f- play too much into it. I think the only right. the only kind of thing that made me just kind of go oh, okay then was the subplot between uh the the man in the studio apartment playing the piano and the woman downstairs kind of writing letters okay. to each other and then at the end the whole the whole conclusion of that subplot is they were kind of like he was writing this love song about her watching her from his apartment and she was kind of writing to him because she was a lonely lover kind of thing and then the two of them right like the ending is basically him playing the song for her and i kind of looked at it it was like is that really necessary here because it didn't really play into much other than they were just two people building, on the street I, I, I suppose world building does that count as a spoiler or yeah does that count as a spoiler or now or no it, I, it's, it's a subplot awesome. thing it doesn't fuel into right. anything else you know and the film again we're talking about yeah. movies there's going to be spoilers dude <laughs> <laughs> but we, we want people to watch this so um the just building off of that um so when James Stewart is um stuck there and he, he's bored out of his mind he just all he's got to do is look out the window to his other neighbours and get entertainment from that and through just visual storytelling you, you he like mm. you see all these other cast of characters that he gives funny names and finds including like, a Hitchcock cameo yeah yes uh, at the very very beginning but like mm-hmm. he names these characters like Miss Lonely Hearts and I'm forgetting the other ones and then there's the newly married couple but it's it's really interesting to see how they all reflect versions of him like his attitude towards marriage or to loneliness or you know and uh, the lesson is marriage in the old age and marriage at a young age because of the main uh, antagonist as well Um, and the lesson is if you're doing stuff in front of an open window think about how other people see you this film is traumatising in the sense that I can never have a window with the blinds up and not think someone's looking through. My window faces it's my garden. Right, so you've got to think about the you've got to think about the context here. The man the man was in a sweltering hot summer in New York and had a broken leg, yes. right? How many how many specific scenarios like that are you gonna be in where you're gonna be stood in front of I the window? I don't know, man. Right? right? I mean I, people just look out of windows though, Max. It's, you don't have to be bedridden. Yeah, I I know, but then yeah. like how many people sit there in in our modern culture, how many people actually sat by their window being like, "Oh, Deirdre's at it again! Oh, look at her go! She's doing her aerobics." We don't know how many there are because all of them are behind the windows. Pretty so sure. I, I have a good know. view of my street right now. Most of them either have their blinds closed or they're doing something else, right? This whole this whole idea of like, be careful what you do. Well, maybe it's be just because you're not interesting, Lomax. <laughs> Yeah, we know that. Lomax, you mean to tell me you're not <laughs> dancing around in your bedroom in a pink tutu eating chicken? No, I do oh, that on my, front, my on. front garden. <laughs> of, course, of course. I like to put on All a right, show I think we should, we should wrap it up there, I think.
Yeah. We should. That's a wrap it up there. That's well, a wrap it up. <laughs> well, I'm hoping you guys have enjoyed this episode and and some of the chaos inside it. Um, to my dad, I'm sorry if I said fuck <laughs> off. I wasn't saying fuck off to you. I, I love how this. Off to yeah, the to my mum. I'll to try the, and get you on this podcast. <laughs> two of those oh, films yeah. are talking so about fatherhood. You're like, I'm sorry, wrong. dad. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, dad. Um, what should we get Teresa to talk about if we? Do you actually want my mum? Because I can bring her. I'd love that. Sure. Yeah. Just whatever the, films I mean, the seen. audio is going to be a whole thing because well, I was thinking true. about that with Jack, right? So if he was here and I've got headphones in, he'd have to hold one of them or we'd have to get him in another room with another audio. Just get him in another room. Uh, I mean, just share out. headphones. Give one to him, have one for That's him. true. Yeah. But yeah. Um, anyway, let's so wrap it up. To catch, yeah, to quickly, if you want to catch these films, Little Miss Sunshine, I don't know which streaming platforms Amazon Prime. On, you could always... It's yeah, got Boys on Prime. Or, Boys on Prime. And Boys on rear Prime. window. I have a DVD, so if you come to my house, I'll lend it to you. For... <laughs> I live at Disney <laughs> <laughs> um, Where did you guys? Sorry, did you guys pay for Little Miss Sunshine? I can't remember. I haven't I seen it since November. It, yeah. But so you can rent I, it for something yeah. like you can rent know. it for like two pounds or something like that. It won't be right. that expensive. Like yeah, most things right. on Amazon are like three fifty to rent. Right. So right. So it's it's worth it if you're in in yeah. the the chill mood. Um, Thank you very much for coming on to to the podcast, Joe. Yeah, it's I been a pleasure. It. It's cool. I'm going to leave people a quick recommendation, complete side tangent, real quick. Of course. Just sh- my own shameless plug. I recently watched a film on Mubi. It's a Spanish uh, dance drama. It's a weird one to describe, but it's called Emma, E-M-A. Um, oh, yes. Uh, yeah. I Max saw that it. in Venice at the festival. It's, 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 a, it's an extreme ride, but it's uh, fascinating. Maybe because I just got confused by it partway through and then it clicked at the end, but... I think I, you'd I, really like it, Joe. Oh, oh don't you start. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's an inside Another dig. Episode. We won't go into that's it. The, uh, but that's I, the... I, I want to see Emma, yeah. The e- EMA, not to be confused with the Anya Taylor-Joy one. Mm. But um, also the soundtrack I want to listen to because it's Nicholas, Nicholas Jar. It's I don't good, know how you say his good name. Soundtrack. But, but yeah. some fantastic anyway, choreography. Um, anyway, bye, bro. Yeah. Thank you very much for being on the show. Um, Thank you for I've having been me. Joe. And he's pleasure. been Joe as well. I've been Matty P or Matthew Parkinson. We're, we're Jojo um, Parkinson. Jo- jo- Jojo Rabbit. Jojo I'm Matt. Rabbit. Jojo Matt. Jojo Matt. Jojo anyway, Matt. Um, that's been us. The uh, episode, I don't know the number. Um, that's around. Shall I stop recording? Woo.